So we just kept moving slowly, but we kept pushing forward. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Minded Podcast. In the month of April, we have a series of episodes for you. So think about it like a serial podcast, like maybe your favorite murder mystery podcast, where our episodes are aligned in a specific way. Our focus for the month is accomplishing big things in small towns, taking these big ideas, these huge ambitious visions that you may have, and putting the right people in the right places with the right ideas and the right community mindset to get it done. In today's episode, I sit down with Pam Ost, who is the director of TLC, the Learning Center in Charles City, Iowa, a community of just under 8,000 people. A few years ago, Pam had this idea. She knew that the childcare center that she directed was quickly running out of space as are so many childcare centers and in-home providers across not only Iowa, but across the nation. Pam saw an opportunity in her town with an old, outdated school building that was being underutilized. And through some really great, as Pam will say, when the stars aligned connections, Pam was able to take her idea of expanding TLC talking and ideating with the right people, bringing the right people on board to now be just months away from moving into this renovated middle school building that will allow her center to care for more children of Charles City, provide better care from ages birth all the way through graduation, and provide a space for the community to utilize for years to come. Now, In this episode, we talk about Pam and her story in particular, but I want to challenge you, listener, to think about those buildings in your town that could be repurposed and renovated and turned into something new. Give them new life. Think about those key people you would need to bring on board and think about the big vision that your big ambitious idea has and the impact it will have on the community. Pam is so amazing to talk to and listen to, my friends. And I know you're going to leave this conversation with not only ideas, but with inspiration and a real gratitude for what childcare providers do for our families and our communities. So without further ado, let me introduce my new friend, Pam Ost of TLC, The Learning Center. Well, welcome to the podcast, Pam. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you for inviting me. So Pam, the listeners already heard a little bit of an introduction about who you are and why we have you here today. And I'm super excited to have you on. But do you want to take a couple seconds? Tell us in your own words a little bit about you and what you do and maybe a little bit about your town that you're found in. Okay. 
My name is Pam Ost. I'm the director at TLC, the Learning Center, which is the community child care center in Charles City, Iowa. Um, I came to this position six years ago with the intention of possibly being here two or three. And then as things started to progress and different opportunities identified themselves, um, we have been part of a project that's been ongoing now for three years. And in celebration of the first 20 years of the center, we're looking at our next 20, 30, 50. And I'm very excited to be able to be a part of that vision. And um, the stars were kind of aligned in our opportunities to grow child care and the community child care center in our Charles City town. Um, Charles City is about 7,800, 8,000, something like that. We have uh, some major industry. We have Cambrix, we have Valero, um, we have Winnebago. Uh, we have a lot of industry as well as, you know, the main street businesses that are there for all of us residents on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, we have our wonderful fairway and our Hy-Vee and our quick stars and our KCs. And we're like every, our many rural Iowa communities. So it's a very uh, thoughtful, caring community. They have also been designated as an AARP community. So it's very multi-generational as well, which when you look at child care is an important component. And so, as I said, it just, there was just so many good things going on at the same time. I thought, I'll stick around for a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> and, um, so that's kind of where we are. And then we, oh, that's right. We had a pandemic. Oh, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that kind of brought a new picture in uh, about childcare as well. So taking all of these things, that's kind of brought us to where we are and what we want to be doing for our community as a rural Iowa community to address um, those working families and to help them as best we can. Oh, Pam, so much. I love how you, you sound like so practiced in saying that, like you should be no. the spokesperson for Charles City, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah, maybe like down the road when you get this project out of the Okay, way. that sounds good. <laughs> but thank you for explaining uh, because so much of the demographics of Charles City really impact your role as the director at TLC. Right. And mm -hmm. I think having that understanding of who is found in the community and then having a vision of, okay, what does that mean for us now and in the future? It right. is so critical to providing really quality, long-term, dependable childcare. Yes, yes. And that doesn't take anything away from the in-home childcare providers. They are very, very important. Um, and we have many here in our community. And what I hope to see in the future is that we continue to build that bond as well so that we can help each other 
whenever is necessary. And whether that's with trainings or space or backup or, you know, truly working together, because I think that strengthens everyone and makes it possible for all of us to continue to grow and to be employed and to employ and to help our community continue to move forward. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because as many of our listeners know, like childcare centers are so important and so are the in-home option. I think having that option and having those offerings that work together, like you said, are really a demonstrating a small town community and how people mm-hmm. show up to just support one another and have each other's back in those times of need. And when you have strong childcare, no matter the format, it's only going to benefit the town as a whole. And so yes. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, so let's get into a little bit more. You said this project that you guys have been working on is about three years in the making. So can we go back a little bit? Tell us three years ago, TLC, you're the director. Mm-hmm. What were you noticing about your center's offerings and the facility? And what was that vision that you were starting to formulate for what TLC could be? Okay. I think that honestly, as we all know, childcare is not a well-paying employer or employment. And where we currently are located, which we have been at this location for 20 years. Uh, They started out, the community came together and the leaders of the community and defined childcare of one of the needs that was going to have to have a solution. And so they came up with this larger center opportunity. We had gotten to the point where the growth of need had continued, but the ability to meet that need, we had maxed out. We are licensed for 93 children, for example. Um, We were getting more requests and more applications than what we would be able to provide care for those families. So we looked at um, also one of the things that childcare has difficulty with, I think whether you're in-home or a center is you know, all the fees that the parents pay pretty much go straight across to the wages. And so you're constantly trying to find things that allow you to impact your bottom line so that you can keep moving forward and stay in business. We were also at that point three years ago where, you know, we didn't have a lot of other choices. We couldn't grow. This is where we were. We were running most often in a deficit, whether that be small or large, we just weren't being able to continue to move forward if we didn't do something different. And so we started to have conversations. Um, The current superintendent of schools uh, had just recently moved into the community and um, his son was in need of childcare. We were able to take his son. So that kind of started to develop our relationship. It also started at the same time that the community was looking at 
the children of the community from a birth through graduation instead of, okay, they're in childcare for this length of time, then they go to school, then they graduate, then they go to college. No, the need was to blend, to make that part from going from one to the other much easier, both on the child and the family, with the philosophy of we are responsible for these children as soon as they're born, regardless of what our position is. You know, we want them to succeed. And so those conversations started with that birth through graduation look and the need to grow. And what could we do possibly together as a school district and as a childcare center to answer? many of those needs of the families of the children. We follow creative curriculum. So we did our very best as the in-homes do as well to make sure that those children, when they step out on that door and get on that school bus and go to preschool, that they're as ready as they absolutely can be. And so we had already therefore started many of the avenues that we needed to build. And this gave us that opportunity to begin to explore. It happened that um, there was a middle school in the community um, that had been built in the 1970s that was no longer being used for children or for school. So we just started to look at that and think, wow, what is there something we could do together. And actually, it also has a full-size gym on the opposite side. So that's kind of when we just, we, you know, I think it's as with any idea, um, having, you know, different people from different areas of the community just to start to talk and to throw out ideas. That's how it began. And so the ideas became a bit more refined as time went on and the possibilities were being built upon. And so we just kind of started at that point. But the relationship with the school district was the most important component of where we are today. Oh, Pam, this is so exciting. I like This is like everything I ever dreamed of in a podcast episode, um, because what I hear in your previous like answer is that it took people with vision, people willing to work together, people willing to think about the benefit of the community and how everybody is responsible, no matter their role, they have something they bring to the table to make the community a better place. Right. And Like you said, sometimes it just takes a couple of people getting together and saying, you know, I have this thought and Mm -hmm. like the, the bringing in of the superintendent into your childcare facility and then opening those doors Mm -hmm. and just having people who are willing to share ideas, tell them to someone and then just see where it goes. Mm -hmm. I love this so, so much. This is so cool. So when you saw that building that was the former middle school. Mm-hmm. You were beginning to have these ideas. What were some of the things that really attracted you to that space? 
other than having that huge multi-purpose center. Okay. Um, what were some of the things that had you thinking like, okay, this, this has some potential. What was like some of the immediate impact that that building in particular would allow for TLC? Okay. I think one of the, the biggest components for me was health and safety. When we look at what, you know, nationally and statewide we've unfortunately had to deal with in the last 20, 25 years, as far as safety of children in whatever areas they are at any one time. And we live in Iowa. We have tornadoes. We have snowstorms. We have so much. This school was built to house and take care of children. At that time, it was built to take care of middle school children. But the basis, the outlaying, you know, building itself was made to meet the needs of health and safety on all different levels. And it was just another component that in the state of Iowa, we have so many, you know, rural communities that have those buildings, Mm -hmm. you know, that have those opportunities. And we thought, well, Maybe if we could get this done, somebody else could see this and see that maybe it was an opportunity for them. So it kind of struck again, you know, 10 or 12 different pieces of, oh, let's look at that. Will that work? Will that not work? But I think the school structure itself was a huge uh, component for us to begin looking at that building. It's brick. It's got windows. It's got the classroom setups and breakdowns. There was so much internally that would not have to be constructed or destructed, but that could be renovated to utilize for whatever age children. And so very honestly, one of the the first organizations I reached out to was Child Care Resource and Referral. I mean, they are your immediate and constant friends in whatever need you might have regarding childcare, your center, your in-home, they're your go-tos. And so it just happened that I asked them to come and look at that with me, at that building with me, to tell me if I'm, you know, a crazy person, or if maybe it had the merit that the school district and the other community people that we've been talking to were seeing as a possibility as well. And so we had Mary Jansen come in and she brought Dan Levi, who is an architect, but has worked on many, many childcare centers. So he knows the codes. He knows from a structural standpoint what those needs would be. The fact that Mary said, okay, and I'll bring Dan along. I wouldn't have thought to ask for someone like that. Oh my gosh. It's so, that's so cool. Yes. Yes. But she immediately said, we can come over and look and let's, let's do a walkthrough. You know, let's see what you're, what you're thinking. So we went through and as we're going into each room, they'd point out things that would have to be renovated or adjusted, or this wouldn't work, or this would have to be replaced, or this, that. And we went through that portion of the building. And we came outside, and 
the first thing that Dan said to me was, this is the second best piece of property that I've seen for a child care center since I've been doing this. And I said, oh, gosh, we weren't number one. What's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Um, But just the fact that he saw it as a valued piece structurally that could be revamped and reutilized and refurbished uh, instead of destroyed was huge. And so that was just kind of, okay, so here we go. And that's kind of where, where it began. And really at that point then, our feet started to hit the ground versus us just being up in the air talking about the ideas. So we knew then that's what we wanted to do or explore. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. And like you brought, you started with this statement that the stars have kind of been aligning. And throughout your story, I love that people are bringing in other people sharing Mm -hmm. ideas again, validating what they see, bringing up that there might be some things that need to be changed or updated. But Mm -hmm. again, it comes back to bringing in key players, listening to ideas, working together, and Mm -hmm. really just considering before striking ideas down. I love this. Um, One thing I forgot to ask. So Mm -hmm. was the building, was the building occupied or unoccupied as you were like thinking about this before you brought in Dan and Mary? Okay. It was not occupied by school children. There was a, um, uh, a nurse consultant, um, not nurse consultant, I'm sorry, CNA program that was utilizing some of the space for their trainings and so forth. The gym was still being used and is still being used for different types of tournaments, uh, different kinds of programs, those kinds of things. So it was and it wasn't. I mean, it was more storage and a little bit of utilization. But as far as children or a specific educational program, no, there wasn't anything in that building at that time. Okay. Um, so then once you got to the point of, all right, this is feasible, Dan Mm -hmm. Levi himself said that this is a great property. What had to happen to go from that idea phase to actually like introducing this as a potential build? How did you introduce this to families, to the community and really roll out this as an actual possibility for the community? Um, I think that, again, the school district and ourselves started in our conversations, which some took place then or began to take place during school board meetings. So which are, you know, viewed by parents and so forth. We also, uh, our board, we are a nonprofit. So um, our board members began to uh, determine whether it was something we as an entity wanted to do. So those choices were being made internally as well. And then we just started to accumulate the information, the cost, um, the breakdown, 
you know, what would be needed. And then started talking to the parents and to the community about growing and that uh, we needed additional childcare spaces and that this might be the piece that would answer much of that. So it was very low key to begin with. I mean, the board was very good about looking at all of the picture, you know, because, hey, this can be a great idea, but financially it's not going to work, or this isn't going to play out the way we think it will. Or I know, you know, that it had this kind of issue 25 years ago. So that's something else. So we just kept moving slowly, but we kept pushing forward. So we didn't really do any major funding, fundraising for the specific project until the pandemic hit. And then that identified the importance of childcare, of working families, of our opportunity, and the funds became available to the state that were then being given to projects that needed them to move forward to answer many of those issues. And so again, the stars were aligned. And I know that's an awful thing to say about a pandemic, but I think that it truly, truly identified for people how important childcare is. And the expansive need in order for your your community, regardless of where you live, regardless of what state you live in, in order to keep your working families working. And so that's where our initial large funding began to be received. And then I started to write the grants that were filling in the pockets that we still needed this amount over here, that amount of, I'm still writing grants. So (laughs) it hasn't stopped. (laughs) Oh, Pam. So I'm so glad that we talk about all of this idea phase and all of the options and opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we're talking pre-pandemic. And like you said, the pandemic, we don't want to make light of it because it was such Mm -hmm. a tough time and so many people lost so much. Yes. But I do think there are going to be takeaways that we as a society, like I'm talking like a big society and as like our smaller societies, there are going to be takeaways like Mm -hmm. immediately and then from years to come of what this pandemic showed us. And like you iterated, seeing how important having dependable quality childcare, how important that is to not only families, not only people who have little kids, not only people who are ages 24 to 34, how important it is for our employers, for our government agencies, for our community to just go about doing the things that we do. We need to have childcare to educate these kids, to support families, to support our workforce, because without it, everything kind of falls apart. Right. 
we are an employer ourselves. You know, we employ when all of the slots are filled, you know, 30 plus people ourselves. And the economic impact of not having childcare can destroy any good community. Um, Because like you just were saying, the people can't go to work if they have to be home with their children. That was another thing that I felt separated us. And again, those stars were watching over us because we didn't close one day. I didn't unemploy anyone. We got the first PPP loan. We got the second PPP loan to keep moving forward. We did not, like I said, unemploy anyone. We had many industries talk to us afterwards and say, thank you, because you allowed our workforce to start to come back when they could. You know, we had gone from, you know, I think at the time that March uh, of 2020, uh, you know, we were sitting at about 88 children. We went down to 35. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, we could have, we could have just said, well, we'll wait till it's done and then we'll come back. But those 35 children were children of nurses and firemen and policemen and those essential workers that still needed to be in the workforce regardless of what was going on, the ones that put those masks on and were there day in and day out because they had to care for those people that were suffering the most. So we were able to be a part of that by supplying that service to those essential workers. And so that is one thing we are most proud of is just having had the opportunity to be able to do that. My staff has worn masks for two years. We just stopped wearing them March 1st, 2022. Oh, wow. Up to that point, we masked inside the center and my staff did it diligently and without yipping (laughs) or any negativity. I mean, yes, it was difficult, uh, but they did it. And they did it because we needed to be there for those families. And our numbers started to come back. And, you know, right now we're at 92 and actually have children that we can't take on right now because of the ratios that have to Mm -hmm. be met and my current room sizes and, and so forth. But that was, you know, again, it identified the growing need. People were wanting to go back to work. They want to make sure their children are cared for and being in a place where they know we we were able to stay open. And so we must be doing something right. So that, yes, we are, we are very proud of that. But um, we have continued to grow and move forward. And I think that was the other thing because our project was at that point, we were ready to take the next big step. And then I think people maybe understood better. And it wasn't something that they would necessarily view as self-involved. 
but as a greater good. And so that made a huge difference in, you know, I can't tell you how many individual people just walked through our front door and handed me a check and said, this is for your project. Um, oh my gosh. You know, that the grants were more readily uh, received because our project was at that point. And we had the support of so many, you know, the Economic Development Group, the Chamber of Commerce, the City of Charles City, um, the Floyd County Supervisors, you know, the the superintendent, uh, different individuals that have retired, but are saying, we've been involved for this long, we need to keep them going into the next generation. So yeah, it was difficult. I can't even, I know the families that we dealt with and the individual losses that they experienced and their own health. But we just kept going forward and we were there for them, I believe, when they needed us most. And now they're doing that in return to us. And I'm going to keep bringing it back to the big picture and not just saying like, you know, we're a child care center that provides services for these kids and then they're out our door and we forget about them. Like you said, having that way of visioning how this fits into the community and how the service you provide allows other services to continue. And like you said, maybe people before who didn't see that, like in my own community, I know we went through a daycare center build too. And there were different points and different conversations that I had heard of. They're like, well, I'm, I don't have kids anymore. Why would I contribute to that? But like you said, having this earth changing moment showed Mm -hmm. us exactly what childcare offers and makes available to the community and to individuals, no matter their age or their role. Right. No, it was, it was, I think, I think we who work in childcare appreciated the validation Mm -hmm. that came with the conversations that were starting to take place about the value and merit of childcare and what it means, and that it truly is that birth through graduation component that affects all families. Uh, again, regardless of whether you're going to an in-home or a center, those first five years make all the difference in that child's future. And I think that people finally said, oh, I hadn't thought about that, or I didn't see it that way, or I didn't think it was as important as maybe I should have. And it, you know, it wasn't, I don't think, laid out there to be a look at me instead of them situation. It was look at us, look at all of us. You know, I think that's one thing the the pandemic did out here, who or what you do. I think it it showed us how dependent we are on each other and that we have to be that good person because that other person is going to need us and that we're going to need them someday, somehow, some way. And that if we're 
knowing that and those walls have kind of dropped again to let us know that we're all on that same level of need and health and want that it allows us to kind of re-envision moving forward regardless of whether you're in childcare or not. It doesn't, we just need to all be working together. We have to take care of each other Um, because yeah, if we don't, then we're lost. And, you know, sometimes bad things happen in order to make those clarifications readily available. Such a good message, Pam. So you said throughout the pandemic, so um, you were able to access funds through private Mm -hmm. donations, through um, some of the sources like government level that were freed up like PPP. Well, I guess that went towards your, I'm sorry, that went towards staffing, but other grants were opened up, things like that. Were there any other fundraising avenues that you guys had to pursue in order to get you to your goal? Or are there still things that you're doing to get you? Yes, there are still things that we're doing. We were so lucky. We received between the two opportunities of grants through the Iowa Invest in Child Care and the Iowa Workforce Development Funds, matching funds that were available. This project has received $1.5 million. Wow. Um, we received 750 the first time and 750 the second time. We have received uh, grants, like I said, from family foundations, from the um, Floyd County Community Foundation, from the larger entities, as well as the family trusts and different um like Valero has given us funding, Cambrick's has given us funding and product and has helped me operationally cut some of those costs because Mm -hmm. they brought in a box of gloves for me, those kinds of things. So we are continuing to write grants for the specific needs that we continue to have. But that has made it I think easier for some people again to be generous because I don't just come with my hand out. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to say, I've got this. This is what I have left to find. Mm-hmm. You know, can you help with even a certain portion, small portion, you know, of that or even time? Now we're almost, we're getting to the point where I'm going to need manpower. I'm going to have to move everything (laughs) and clean. Yes. Right. So if people, I don't, I don't expect them to write that check. You know, I personally can't always write those checks I'd like to write, Mm -hmm. but if I can bake something for a bake sale, or if I can, um, you know, give them unwanted clothing for rummage sale or, Uh, you know, do or help move something from this point across town to another point. Those are the things that people are reaching out to us and saying, well, I can't do this, but I can do this for you. And so it doesn't make any difference. I don't, I don't need your checkbook. You know, if you, if you have something you'd like to give or, or like to help us with, that's wonderful. And I'm not going to refuse that, but 
anything that you do is as important as everything that we've already received. I think we probably will do some other fundraising. Uh, we're doing a, for example, um, the Soifer family who owns our local McDonald's here is um, we are doing a McTeachers night at McDonald's and um, we sell little coupon books that evening from this 4.30 to 7 o'clock timeframe, May 17th. Um, mm -hmm. And then we get all the proceeds from that, uh, those hours from the Soifer family and, and the McDonald's. We, the Rotary Club, just did one of their radio auctions and they gave us half of oh, the wow. proceeds of the auction. So we're still tying into our community partnerships and growing them. So we're still finding those things to, to fill in the much smaller gaps that we have, but we still have them. Yeah, because when you're doing this facility upgrade, it's not just the renovation costs like no. that showed up front. You're going to have more space to fill with little tables right. and little chairs and more right. cups and plates and toys. And so it's like you said, maybe in the grand scheme of things, like some of these purchases seem smaller than the overall like renovation project, but there's mm -hmm. still needs that need to get met. And there's a variety of needs that can be met in right. whichever way people are available. Like you said, right. donations of time, talent, treasures, Exactly, it's all welcome because everybody has a stake in this. Exactly. Exactly. So Pam, where are you guys at right now? So right now we're at like the end of March. This, if people are listening, this is just yes. maybe a couple of weeks later, we're in the middle of April. <laughs> where are you guys at right now as we speak with your renovation project? Okay. It started, um, we had a kind of a picture opportunity groundbreaking um, the end of January and then the renovations internally began that first week in February. We get updates from Woodruff Construction each week and from our project manager, Will McAllister, who is a wonderful <laughs> young man um, and keeps us updated on everything. We, uh, you know, are experiencing uh, some uh, supply and demand issues, yeah. um, some delivery issues. Uh, so you know, we're just continuing to move forward. We are currently going along our initial timeline of, for the most part, having internally completed, um, you know, by the end of May. However, many of the products that are now in longer term, months out farther than that, the HVAC system, for example, which has to be on site and up and running for the children to be occupying that space. We're now out till um, August for that. So, you know, I, I don't have a, this is going to be our grand opening. We're just really going with the supply and demand of each and every day. It's different. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and like I said, Will keeps us up to date. I had just had an email from him before I came in here regarding, okay, so this kitchen floor, 
epoxy. It, we need to look at, and you know, what color do you like? <laughs> okay. And <laughs> so it's those kinds of things that honestly change daily. Mm-hmm. So we are working forward as best we can, but there is no set. This is when we're going to be open at the new location date. We have to go with the ebb and flow of the project ability at this point. But I think that's the the great thing about um, the construction company we're working with and with our architect, Dan Levi, is that we're kind of like a triumvirate, you know, I mean, community construction architect so that we're all working so that everybody's in the loop um, so that we know moving forward any issues or problems or things that need to be overcome. And again, still talking about, okay, well, if that didn't work, what do you think about this? Or if that didn't work, I know so-and-so, let's give him a call. You know, it's those kinds of internal and community partnership conversations that will make this occupation happen as quickly as it is humanly possible. And so we just keep, we're moving forward. We just keep going. Oh, I love it. I want to say, I love to hear that. I love to hear your attitude about it. Let me be more specific because I know how frustrating that can be seeing those delays and deadlines especially yeah. when you're so excited to get in there and get the kids in the space and see the right. these little people in your, like what you've got drawings of. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I'm glad to hear that overall, even amidst some challenges, you guys are keeping the positivity and able to see yeah. that it's within our site. The site may yes. be a little bit longer than we were initially yeah. thinking. Right. Hey, so I what, drive, oh, sorry, go ahead. I can drive past the school and see all the trucks in the parking lot. And, you know, if my blood pressure is a little high, I just take that drive around and go, they're still working. It's still moving forward. Yes. Everything's good. So <laughs> that's what I do almost on a daily basis, but it, it's available. <laughs> so Pam, what are you most excited for? What are the kids most excited for about the new facility? I think um, I am most excited for the, what I see as the multiple level opportunities of the continuing partnerships with the community that that facility is going to be able to accommodate. The fact that we're going to have a commercial kitchen, which will eventually on my side of things become a profit center but an available opportunity for families, businesses, organizations, groups who might want to hold something in the gym. And there's your commercial kitchen. Um, That we have the gymnasium to use. We want to continue to look at the birth through graduation. One of the biggest components of the first 20 years of TLC, the learning center was a gentleman named Jim Herb. He was the mayor of Charles city at the time when TLC first came into being, he passed this past year and he was a volunteer 
He was, uh, he was involved in everything. He was the reason that TLC came to fruition. He was the reason that Charles City has been designated an AARP community. He was working with the Community Foundation, um, the Floyd County Community Foundation, the Community Foundation of Northeast Iowa. He was involved in everything. Volunteering and being a part of the community was so important. We want to make sure that our young people understand what being a part of your community means. And sometimes that's as simple as being a volunteer or being a member of an organization that does something on behalf of your community. So if we have different um, projects where we bring in those groups so that even the three and four-year-olds can see, oh, that's grandpa sitting at the table or that's aunt so-and-so or, oh, that's my preschool teacher over here who are talking about those opportunities and the things that that group is sharing with those children right now, but that what they then can continue to share as they grow older and become members of those organizations as well. So it's, it's things like that that we can do. We can work with the, the hospital and maybe make it easier for parents to receive um, some of the treatments that the children have to have for behavior or, you know, emotional, whatever it might be. But just to have those spaces that we can say, you bet, you come in, we'll make sure that's set up for you. You have the privacy you need and you can take advantage of this space. Those are the things I'm most excited about are just that growing, nurturing of not just the kids, but of our community as a whole. Yes. Yes. And the kids are looking forward to the new playground and the gymnasium that will (laughs) also be, not only will it be heated, but it will be air conditioned so that it can be used 365 days a year. So it's going to be really fun. Oh, Pam, I, I could talk to you all day about this, (laughs) Um, but we are getting close on time. So I do want to just, um, we're going to wrap this up. I just have a couple more things. Um, but first up, could you let people know how can they find out more about TLC, the learning center, follow along with your project, or maybe even make a contribution if they feel so inclined, is there a way that they can follow you online, no matter where they're located? Yes, we have a Facebook page. And so, um, and it is a really fun Facebook area to look at because we post pictures of the kids and what they're doing and what we're doing. And so it kind of shows the gambit of everything that TLC is. We also have a website at charlescitytlc.com. And uh, there is, we do have a PayPal option on there if they would like to make a contribution. And we try to update that as uh, much as possible with where we are in the process of the project. The Charles City Press just yesterday had the 2022 Progress Edition came out, and we were on the front page of the first section of the Progress Edition. So... But yes, the pictures and anyone who's interested, they're always welcome to call the center 
at 641-228-4525. And I would be glad to send them pictures or to answer any of their questions that they might have. Any uh, donation that they make, uh, you know, we can certainly send them a tax deduction form, you know, so that they get credit for their generosity. So we, we have those that are readily available as well, but we're always glad to answer any questions that they might have. Awesome. And we will make sure for our listeners that all of those resources that you mentioned are listed out on our blog so that they're easily clickable and people can find you. Um, because I think that it would be a great opportunity to help support you guys. Yes. Um, okay. So we're going to end with what I call the small talk round. And these are just a few questions that I have that I didn't send your way beforehand to prep for, but they are just fun little questions that we end with our guests. So are you ready, Pam? I'm ready. All right. Number one, Mm -hmm. what was something that a child did today that made you smile? Um, he came in and, um, his glands were very swollen and he wouldn't let us check in his uh, mouth to look at his tonsils. And so I had a very long, uh, flashlight that when you push the button, it flashes, it, it makes all (laughs) kinds of noise and everything. And I said, okay, if I give you this flashlight, would you let me look in your throat? And he goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're good. And you got it done. Yes, for we you. got it done. Yep. Don't you wish everything was easily solved with a cool flashlight? Yes, I <laughs> certainly do. All right. Question number two. Mm-hmm. Is there a book or a podcast or a person that you look towards to give you like inspiration or motivation? Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one. Um. Man, I, you know, I've truly been reading the articles of incorporation and the job descriptions and the, um, you know, I I tell you one thing that I read recently that I I found very helpful and uplifting was um, uh, Governor Kim Reynolds had uh, published a child care task force report um, that she had had um, people from across the state come together to find solution and answer different issue questions and so forth. And it uplifted me in the sense that, again, it was validation Mm -hmm. of what, and at the same time, gave me different vision of additional pieces that can be put into the center as we move forward to answer the parents, the community, and, and in a broader sense. And uh, it made me appreciate to um, living in Iowa and always kind of having that, that backlog of people, I believe, listen to the other people in this state. And not all states are like that. I love that. Um, all right, last question, Pam. Mm -hmm. what is one piece of advice you would give someone in a small town who's listening and they Mm -hmm. have a big dream or vision themselves? What is a piece of advice that you would give them as they are embarking on something like what you guys are accomplishing in Charles city? Okay. Never say never. 
never let anyone tell you it can't be done because it can and you can make it happen. That's it. That is the perfect way to end. (laughs) Pam, thank you so much for your time today. The listeners are going to love this. Oh, good. That's good. Thank you, Molly. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well-lived being small-minded.